Welcome to the East City Wesleyan Church podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And if you would like to learn more about East City Wesleyan Church, please go to ecw.org.nz for more information. Now, here's your podcast. Well, mad respect to each and every one of you to make it to church for a nine o'clock in the morning service. Well done. And some of you are like, oh, yeah, it's fantastic. You're an early riser. I am not an early riser. Uh, but Sundays I am, so saw the sunrise this morning, it was beautiful, and um, it's just great to be together, and to everyone joining us online, we're glad that you're tuning in as well, and what an interesting week we've all had, kind of a deja deja vu moment, if you will, and I love what Ashley Bloomfield said in the address uh, earlier in the week, said we're all on a roller coaster ride that none of us bought a ticket for. I'm like, too true. That'll preach, you know? I'm thinking the ups and downs, the uncertainties, and, and that feeling in the pit of your stomach, you know, when you're dealing with uncertainties and challenges in life. But here we are. Here we are this morning, making it work, navigating COVID, uh, navigating social distancing, and being together as the family of God and the people of God. And we're in a special series, Extraordinary You. You ever think about that? How extraordinary you are? I think I'm reminded of my sense of being ordinary every day. And I contend that that's probably a good thing. And we're going to dig a little bit deeper into that this morning. It's a series where we look at ordinary people just like you, just like me, people of God that God has used in extraordinary ways. So let me ask you something. If I said, how many of you really want God to give extra to you? To give you a little bit of extra. Extra strength, bulk up, be strong, lift heavy things. Extra power, extra wisdom, extra peace. Extra ability to forgive. Extra understanding. How many of you would really say, I want God's extra on my ordinary? I would hope you would. If we ask that, then God's going to do something. He's going to lean in and he's going to say, now's the time. To sprinkle a little bit of extra into our lives. And I contend that something like a little dance is going to happen. Because when God shows up, when God leans leans into your life and does something amazing, you can't just sit there. Cool, God. That's fun. Sit back, arms crossed. God, what are you up to now? I don't think we can even stand there as, a, as an observer, seeing what God is doing around us. I think it puts a little skip in your step. I think it begins to exercise these cheek muscles and puts a smile on our faces. That when God shows up, something changes. Emotionally, physically, spiritually. And it's amazing. There's a little dance that's going to take place. Because God's extra is on you. And you just know it. You sense the presence of God. Pastor Joey did a great job launching our series last week 
And today we're going to dig into the life of Noah. If you have your Bibles, you may want to turn to the very first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 6. And I'm going to be referring back to Noah's story throughout this morning's message. But before we get to Genesis chapter 6, I want to read together a verse from Hebrews chapter 11 that talks about Noah. This is from that great chapter of faith. So if you would, look at the screen and read this verse with me. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. And by faith, he condemned the world and became the heir of righteousness that comes by faith. Found in Hebrews chapter 11. So, Noah's character is huge in Scripture. Even people that have never sat in a sanctuary on a Sunday morning, people that have never picked up the Bible, people that have never gone into a Christian bookstore, in some way, shape, or form, have probably come across the name Noah. An ark, animals, rainbows, and a great flood. They've probably heard of them. Well, Genesis 6 starts the story, and I have to ask this question, why did God choose Noah? Well, most of you are familiar with the story and can answer that already. So from what we understand in archaeology, I took this class in, uh, in undergraduate, biblical archaeology. Scared me to death because the professor was a licensed archaeologist in the Holy Land, and he passed around pieces of pottery dating back to times in the Old Testament. I didn't want to touch them because I didn't want to break them, right? They belonged in museums. But archaeology tells us that there was an estimate that probably about one million people lived on the earth around that period of time of Noah's story. So we could say that Noah was God's one in a million, if you will. If you were God and you were going to start all over again, who would you choose? Or maybe allow that question to get really personal. Would God choose you? Would he choose me? Deep down inside all of us, we have a desire to be chosen. Think way back. Some of you not too long ago, but maybe way back for others, in times of being in kindy or primary school. And the teacher was looking for a little extra helper. And you reached for the heavens and said, me, 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 I want to help, I want to help. And there was something so incredibly special about being chosen. Every little kid wants to be chosen. And I don't think we really grow out of it in life, do we? Remember back to your favorite class growing up in school? I'm assuming it might have been just like mine. Recess, right? No, no other better subject. Recess, playtime, going outside, running around, skipping, jumping, hanging out with your mates. It was great. And I lived for this time at school because it was the highlight of my day. Kickball, four square, playing on the playground. And, and you knew that you didn't have a whole lot of time, so you'd get really organized if there was some competition going on that day in the playground. You'd get team captains, everyone would sit on a line waiting to be picked. And if you loved recess, it was probably because you were normally picked first or second. And you kind of strut over to your team and be like, all right, now pick them next. Okay, if they get picked, go for this person. But what was the fear? If you were sitting on that line, if you were in that queue, 
What was the greatest fear? Being chosen last. The last pick. By default, you get to join the team. And I think that plagues us many days of our lives, sometimes without even recognizing it. Maybe without even admitting to that fear. So who is it that God chooses to put his extra on them? So I want us to look at four attributes of Noah. And an interesting thing about it, God doesn't choose these attributes. We do. We define them. We exercise them in our lives. And these attributes we actually choose, and in doing so, God can put his extra on us. So let's dig into it. The first attribute, Noah was available. You know, our society does not talk about this word very often. We talk about a different word, ability. What can you achieve? What have you done? What does your CVE, what does your resume look like? That's what we talk about. We look for ability, we look for talent, we look for skill. And I got to tell you, the different jobs in my life, interviews, questions, conversations, everyone trying to dig in and understand your skills, your abilities, your, your CV, I don't think God's ever asked me for it. God's never said, what are your qualifications? In fact, all through Scripture, God works with people. And I don't think he ever asked for their abilities. He wanted to receive their availability. And that's what we find in Noah's story. Let me give you the definition of availability. It's two simple words. Show up. Simple. If you want to succeed in your job, what do you think you should do? I just gave you the answer. Show up. Abby, good. Yes, show up. It's not a trick question. So that's a good start. So if you want to succeed in your physical health, guess what you should do at the gym? Show up. So, confession time. About a year and a half ago, I purchased a gym membership at Anytime Fitness. That's right. I've been trimming down, losing the kilos, buffing up ever since, and I look like a muscle man now. Who said that? Nope. <laughs> Wrong. I made it to the gym about a half a dozen times. Went there, did some exercise, and then I got too busy, had too many excuses, and normally at Anytime Fitness, they put the Hall of Fame of everyone that worked out the most in the given month. I think I'm on the Hall of Fame for the most charitable giver for my gym membership because I don't show up. So I've been working with a health and wellness coach this year, and he's motivated me to break the ice and get back into the gym. So two weeks ago, I made it back, and it was great. No, it was nerve-wracking. I was so sore the next morning, I couldn't lift my arms. I was in pain and agony. But my wife always reminds me that after you exercise, the part that hurts are the parts that you want to look different. I think that's good advice, to keep going, to keep exercising, to keep fulfilling the goals. But here's the key. I had to show up. I had to be present. 
If you want to succeed in your marriage, what should you do? Show up. Show up at home. Be a good thing. If you want to succeed in your spiritual walk with Jesus, what should you do? Show up. Show up at church. Show up at home group. Show up at opportunities to, sh- to serve. Show up in life. Show up. So why do we often struggle with such a basic principle and concept? Because if we don't show up, God cannot and will not use us. He can't put his extra on our lives if we don't show up. He can't. He can't put us into a game when we're not there to be ready to play. So how many people start up, but when they never show up, Seem that Noah was the one who showed up. And I think, friends, if we could understand the amount of extra God wants to put on you and I, it'll be a little easier to take that step, to keep that commitment, to fulfill that day in and day out. So here's how it says in the Bible. To him who can do incredibly more than we could ever ask, think, or imagine, God wants to put so much extra on you. It would blow your mind. He wants you to have it all. It reminds me of the story of the elementary Christian school cafeteria. I know we don't have many cafeterias here in New Zealand. The kids normally eat out on the lawns. But I remember all the days sitting at the tables trying to get the right um, uh, friend group, you know, sitting there, eating your meals, sharing time together. And the students were going to the cafeteria line, and there was a big plate of apples. And one of the teachers had written a note, so a Christian school... And she said, only take one. God is watching. Good accountability. Well, a little bit down the line, there was a plate of chocolate chip cookies. And a very clever student had written a note that says, take all you want. God's watching the apples. (laughs) God wants you to have it all. He wants you to have all of his because we're made in his image. And in order to do that, we have to be available. Now, here's what availability says. Availability says two things. First of all, if you have to stop focusing on what you can't and start believing on what he can. Don't worry about your abilities. Focus on our infinite God, our abundant God that has everything at his fingertips. So in so many conversations, I wonder what God thinks when people just start off by saying, well, there's a reason that I can't. Or all the excuses that follow. I can't have this. I can't do that. What is it that you don't have that God could use? You might say, I don't have any resources right now, but maybe in a year's time. And we always kick the can a little further down the road. Okay. I've had plenty of these conversations, but it brings me back to this. Seems like the little boy only had a couple loaves of fish. And God took his extra... Put it on the ordinary boy and fed 5,000. You don't think you can talk? What about Moses? With his speech impediment. Couldn't get his words out fluidly. But God put his extra on Moses as ordinary and used him to lead an entire people out of bondage and into freedom. Maybe you think you're a little too old. I don't know. How How old is too old? I'm not sure. I'm not there yet. Caleb, 85. Is that old? Or is that young? What do you define as too old? 
Caleb said, man, God, I'm willing, I'm available, and God put his extra on Caleb's ordinary 85-year-old body, and Caleb led his people to conquer the hill country and take it. So what is it that you think you don't have? You don't think you have family support. Let's talk about Joseph. Joseph sold into slavery by his very own brothers. But God puts his extra on Joseph's ordinary and literally uses him to save a nation. Saved his family. You know what's interesting? When I read the Bible over and over again, nowhere, nowhere in Scripture do I ever find that God asks somebody, please tell me what you don't have. It doesn't come up in a God conversation, a God moment, and a God encounter. But often it's us that initiate it, the things that we're missing, the things that disqualify us from fulfilling God's plan. But he does ask one thing over and over again. Do you believe that I am and I can? Do you have faith? In fact, the Bible says it doesn't take much faith. Jesus gave us a pretty good picture of how much faith it might take. That the size of a mustard seed. Faith the size of a mustard seed that can tell that mountain to move from there to there and it can be done. How big is a mustard seed? I can't show you because you wouldn't see it from where you're sitting. Tiny. It's one of the smallest seeds in existence. So if you want God's extra all over you, then you have to start with what he can do, not what you can't. But here's the second part of availability. It means we have to stop focusing on what you want, instead start being available to his will. See, God created you to be unique, unlike anybody else with a specific purpose and opportunity in your life. And we go through this life working to embrace that, Embrace our identity that we find in our creator. He has so much for you. So much that he wants to give you. But if I wonder so many times that we miss that. We miss the still small voice speaking truth and wisdom into our lives. Trying to lead us step by step. Because we're too busy telling God what we want. That he never has the ability to tell us what he wants for us. So sometimes we need to hit the pause button and listen. See, today we had originally planned our church picnic to be out at Cockle Bay, a beautiful weekend at that. And we're going to celebrate baptisms, a sacrament of the church. But we had to postpone it due to COVID. But think about it for a moment. If you've been baptized or if you're anticipating your baptism, There's something beautiful about it because someone is boldly proclaiming through the sacrament of baptism that they trust Jesus with all their life. They absolutely trust their Heavenly Father. But they're also saying something else. They're putting a stake in the ground and saying, God, I want to put this stake in the ground for you and for all the witnesses. I'm available. I'm available. 
Tony Campalo, a very energetic sociologist, psychologist, someone that I've loved listening to, and, and, and he's so animated that you dare not sit in the front row when Tony's speaking because he speaks so quickly, you can see the spit flying. He's animated, he's energetic, and I absolutely love and adore the guy. And he was a professor of psychology at Eastern College in Philadelphia. And he would say this, if you make yourself available, God will use you in ways you could never imagined. So one time Tony was asked to speak at another college in Valley Forge, Pennsylvania. Uh, as he often did, he does circuits all over the world now. And, and he showed up to speak and they said, well, let's pray for you in the back room. And they all gathered around him to pray for the service, to pray for him speaking, to pray that God would move in a mighty way to everyone who was attending. But there were other little side popcorn prayers, if you will, going up all over the room. And Tony heard out of his ear a prayer that went something like this. God, would you also just be with Bert Harris? You know Bert Harris. He lives down at 1805 Jefferson. And Bert's in a hard spot in his life. He's planning on leaving his wife and kids and he's just going through a tough time right now. God, would you just simply be with Bert? The prayer ended and many others ended in culmination. Tony spoke at this service. It was a great time. And he was on his way home. So as he was heading back to Philadelphia and was traveling along, he saw a hitchhiker. He picked him up, as he often would. And he asked, where are you going? He said, well, I'd like to go to Philadelphia. Tony said, that's exactly where I'm going. I'll give you a ride. Jump in. They started going along, and Tony said, I'm Tony. What's your name? He answered, Bert. True story. What's your last name? Harris. Tony pulled off the freeway and started to head back the other direction. Bert said, wait, 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 wait a minute. What are you doing? He says, I'm taking you home, Bert. He says, you don't know where I live. He says, yes, I do. 1805 Jefferson. And you're not supposed to leave your wife and your family. God has plans for you. And that night, Bert's life was changed forever. And his home and his family. When you and I say, God, I'm available. I'm okay with the disruptions. I'm okay with the turns and the curves and the twists and the loops and the mishaps. God will put his extra on your ordinary and do something radical to change the world in which we live. The more that I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm so convinced God is not looking for supernatural people. Superheroes, if you will. He's not looking for super abilities and magnified CVs. He's looking for ordinary people just like you and me. Who simply say, by putting a stake in the ground, raising a hand with excitement, Jesus, I'm available. And if you say that, God will put his extra all over your ordinary. And then he's going to say, it's time. It's time to do some good stuff. We'll get a little dance, a little skip in our step, 
Because we can't sit still when we know that God's on the move. God's extras on you. His anointing, if you will. And you get to be a part of it. It's pretty exciting stuff. So here's the second thing that we can learn from Noah. Noah refused to be like everyone else. In other words, he was willing to be different. Each and every one of us were born original. We carry the surname of our family, the lineage, this and that, but from our fingertips to the hairs on our heads to our looks to our skills, gifts, talents, abilities, everything we are, we're unique. Yet I find that everybody is so worried about wanting to conform to what others think about them all through life. They're always worried about fitting in. So I want to give you some solid advice for success, if you will. Are you ready for this? Study everything the average person does and then do the exact opposite. Think about that for a moment. To stand out as unique. One of my friends says, you want to give a compliment? Call me an oddball. Call me a black sheep. That's his definition of a compliment. And here's what it says in Genesis 6. We're going to look at verse 9. Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person. Living on earth at the time, and he walked in close fellowship with God. It says that Noah wasn't afraid to stand up or stand out or, or be alone. Because frankly, he didn't care what anybody else said. He wanted to do what God told him to do. In fact, there was no one else in the world, anything remotely like Noah. He was unique. Look at verse 11. Now God saw that the earth had become corrupt and was filled with violence. God observed all this corruption in the world, for everyone on earth was corrupt. So God said to Noah, I've decided to destroy all living creatures, for they have filled the earth with violence. Yes, I will wipe them all out along with the earth. Creation, society was in a very bad spot. This is a very dark moment in Scripture. And Noah wasn't influenced or swayed by it, but he, stead, he stood firm. So we have the thought process that if the majority thinks this way, then it must be what? Must be right. Go with the flow. Not in this case. So how about you? Do you get caught up in the majority opinion? Political correctness that says, no, you can't stand up for what you believe biblically and theologically? Noah refused to go along with the majority. So when you and I are so consumed about wanting to be a majority and we refuse to be like what God created us to become, it is unlimited. So you think about Noah and his willingness. It had never rained. No one had ever seen a boat cruise by in the harbor. And, and he's trying to describe uh, uh, to people that came along wondering what he was doing. What are you building? An ark? What's an ark? I think it's a big boat. What's a boat? Floats on water? Where? Not really sure. 
I'm getting ready for the floods. What's that? It's going to rain a lot. How? Let me ask you something. Have you ever been misunderstood? It's frustrating, isn't it? You're like, why don't they just understand? So how long would you go on explaining person after person, moment after moment, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year? How much were, would you be willing to be misunderstood and criticized for what you believe God had told you to do? Conformity is often the enemy of Christianity. Romans 12 says this, don't be conformed to the world. Don't. If everybody's in the world is saying this, no, don't be conformed. It said be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's what scripture tells us. In fact, the book of Proverbs says this, the fear of man is a trap, but the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So Noah didn't fear others, but he did fear God. Remember the first verse back in Hebrews that we read. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen in holy fear, built an ark. He was more afraid of what God said than what people said. In fact, 1 Samuel 15 says, what's more pleasing to the Lord? Then it answers it. Obedience is more than sacrifice. See, the key is this. If we want God's extra over us, then we have to be willing to be unlike anyone else and just be ourselves. So God can put his extra on our ordinary. Make sense? And then God will lean in and say, it's time. It's time. Get a little dance. A little skip in our step. Exercise the face muscles and do something extraordinary because you feel that extra. Here's a third thing that we can learn about Noah. Noah followed God completely. Look at verse 22. Noah did everything just as God commanded. Think about this. Doesn't say in some of the things God commanded or in most of the time, says in all things that God commanded. Obedience is another word for faith. We live in a society that man, people make excuses all the time. Have you heard any excuses this week? Have you made any excuses yourself? God's not looking for people to give excuses. God is looking for people who are obedient. So let's ask this way. When you think about it, how long would you and I be willing to stay obedient to something, even if it didn't make sense? Didn't make sense at all to you or the people around you. We had already said that it had never rained before. Rainbows, animals. He's supposed to build a boat, not a bass boat, not a snapper boat. Not a sea nymph or something small. A Titanic. A cruise ship-like vessel for animals. In a place that's around 800 kilometers from the nearest water. And then, get two of every animal. 
Now, I'm not a cat person. Could you imagine trying to wrangle up two cats? Stubborn as all get out. Dogs will be easy. Come on. And they're on. Cats, they're running away. They're chasing all the birds that you're trying to bring in. It's a mess. And yet, as far as we know, he went for it. He wanted to be available and obedient. You see, God's not looking for talent. He's looking for obedience. Love, love from God is unconditional. But I think as I read scripture and understand it, that God's blessing is conditional. So here's some solid advice. God only wants one thing from you per day. 24 hours of obedience. It's the only thing he's asking for you today. 24 hours of obedience, which leads to a lot of amazing things. Free will to choose, finding God's will for our lives, being empowered with a little bit of extra on our ordinary, praising our Lord and Savior, worshiping Him through everything that I say and do. And if we can do that for 24 hours, guess what God wants next? Us to be obedient for 24 hours. Take it one step, one day at a time. It leads us to understand what it means to follow God completely in all things and in all ways. And then through the obedience and the availability, God will put a little extra on your ordinary and do something amazing. You see, Noah never gave up. He kept going and he persevered. And I think so many people give up so easily. Six times at the gym and I was done. We talked about 20 seconds of insane courage before in our church. How about 120? Not seconds, not minutes, not hours, not days, not weeks, not months. 120 years to build an ark. 120 years. It's a long time. How many years could you and I hang in there for? Just because you said, God told me. Could you and I do that? It's what God's looking for. And here's real quick three things that keep most people from not finishing. You can just write these down, keep them in the margin. Number one, just simply problems. Any of you guys have problems this week? I have. It's life. It's a part of life. And can you imagine Noah's problems? Think about it. Here's another one. Pressure. Have you ever been in a spot where you just said, man, this is beyond me. This is too big. I'm overwhelmed. Don't even know where to begin. I love the verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and it says this. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed and broken. We're perplexed, but we don't give up and quit. We're hunted down, but God never abandoned us. We get knocked down, but we get up again. We keep going. Persistence. Because you and I, we're going to have problems. We're going to experience pressure. But there's a third one that I promise you each and every one of us is going to face. You're going to have people. 
People that will disappoint you, people that will hurt you, people that will criticize you. They won't applaud you, they won't pat you on the back. You think Noah probably struggled with people in his life? I think he probably had quite a few. So one of the things that I appreciate are people who are just ordinary. But they didn't quit because of that. Being a simple person in a complex world. Sometimes we just need the encouragement and the advice to hang in there. We just get to a point where we say, don't quit. And I love Second Chronicles that says, The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Because God's looking for people. Can he find you and I? Can he find the people of East City Wesleyan Church? I wonder what your thoughts would be if you put your name down instead of Noah's in the story. Maybe something like, Josh was available. Susan refused to be like everyone else. Jim followed God completely. Joanne never gave up. That's who God's looking for. And when God finds that kind of person, he'll put his extra all over you. And you'll see amazing things happen. So I want to leave you with this one question. Who is ready for a little extra to their ordinary? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for taking simple people like me and the people that gather together with me today. People who love you with all their heart. And we recognize that we're merely a blip in the existence of creation. But God, you desire to do extraordinary things through your people. So Lord, help us to be available. Help us to be focused on you. Help us to overcome the challenges that we face. In Jesus' holy and precious name we pray. Amen.